You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson podcast. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insights on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I'd like to give a special shout-out to people who subscribe to this podcast. You can also subscribe to Locked On Jets wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do that, we will deliver new episodes to your device each morning as they are posted, as this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets with new episodes Monday through Friday each day. Returning to the podcast today is the co-host of the Badlands podcast and an NFL draft writer over at Bleacher Report, Connor Rogers. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, John. How are you, man? I'm doing well. And before we get started, I mentioned Connor is the co-host of the Badlands podcast with Joe Caparoso. Connor, tell our listeners how you can access that. Yeah, so we're on Patreon. Uh, we do subscription pod and ton of content, ton of docu-series content. We're going to break down, you know, basically uh, every single Jets draft pick in depth in an audio series, and we're going to get into some video content this summer as well. So on our Twitter feed, I'm I'm at Connor J. Rogers. We're always tweeting it out. It's just Badlands presented by Turn on the Jets on Patreon. Now, Connor is an ideal guest to have on the Jets podcast at this time of year because he's both an NFL draft expert and a big Jets fan, so he knows what the Jets have needed. He knows the prospects very well. Connor, we have to start with Zach Wilson, the second overall pick. Give us your thoughts on the pick. Give us your thoughts on whether you thought he was the right choice for the Jets, how he fits within Mike LaFleur's offense. Well, I thought this was the right direction, right? I think when you look at it from the, the simple approach of it was time to move on from Sam Darnold, and you know a lot of people agree or disagree with that. It's a pretty split decision, but from a financial perspective and from aligning the GM and head coach with their quarterback, I think it does make sense for a fresh start for both Sam and the Jets. And then you kind of go into the pool of, well, is there somebody in the draft that it's worth taking to replace Sam Darnold that could be an upgrade from Sam Darnold? And this was my number two quarterback in this draft, my number three overall player. Uh, the only people I had ahead of him was Trevor Lawrence and Penny Sewell. So I think when you look at that, you know, obviously the talent was there for Wilson to be a franchise quarterback, a quarterback ranked at number three overall on a big board of 250 players. And you go back to the fit with something you mentioned, John, with the floor, it's really ideal. You're, you're talking about a lot of uh, play action offense, cut the field in half, get the quarterback on the move. This is a player that the mechanics are very compact, a lightning quick release, light, nimble feet, uh, twitchy really good feel in and out of the pocket. And I think on the move is where he does some of his best work, throwing the ball down the field on the run with his eyes down the field. And, you know, he's a pass, pass, run kind of guy. He's somebody that will look to play in structure. And if things break down, he'll look to throw out of structure. And both of those things don't exist. He has the mobility and athleticism to pick up yards on the ground. So I like to pick for the Jets. I think Wilson like any rookie quarterback, will have a, a learning curve in terms of the speed of the NFL game. But I think fortunately for him, 
they've made a significant investment in this offense for it to be a run-heavy attack, wide zone scheme. He's got weapons. He's got a good group of receivers, really five capable starting wide receivers in this offense now. And I think they'll keep things somewhat simple for him in the early goings. And I think he can really grow into being a, a top-end franchise quarterback. Now, I'm going to assume that he's the opening day starter for the Jets. And if you want to tell me James Morgan's going to compete with him, I'm happy to debate that point. But assuming you agree with me that he's going to be the, the week one starter, what do you think are reasonable expectations for him this year? Yeah, I think, well, he should be, right? I think that's we're all expecting that. It would be pretty shocking if he's not the week one starter. Something probably went very wrong if that's the case. And then, you know, when you look at it, I think he's somebody that, they are not going to have him drop back and play hero ball and throw the ball 40 times a game. I don't think that's fair to him. I don't think that's the best situation for the Jets. And what you want with Wilson is a safe efficiency, right? You want him to, you know, be able to have those chunk plays. That's what he's best at is throwing the ball vertically, pushing it down the field and giving his receivers a chance. And I think you see the signing of Corey Davis plays into that. They knew they were going to go this direction. He, he really throws a nice back shoulder ball where, you want these guys, Mims and Davis, on the outside with, with the chance to make a play for their quarterback, and Wilson will give them those chances. Now, because of that, there will be interceptions, but I don't see why you can't have a season where he throws, you know, 23 touchdowns and limits the interceptions to, to 12 to 15 of them. I really don't think that's out of range for him. I don't think you want him – you know, you don't expect him to be throwing for over 300 yards a game. That's not the type of offense this is going to be. It's why they built a – really strong left side of the offensive line that's big and athletic to run the ball a lot. They took a running back at the top of the fourth round to get into the stable of backs. So I think when you look at it as a whole, you need to temper your expectations. I don't think he's in line for a Justin Herbert kind of rookie season, while at the same time, I think he'll have a much more productive rookie season than Sam Darnold had when all is said and done. So I think for Wilson, is he going to go out and win you game after game as a rookie? Not right now. I think one day he can be that kind of player. But I think the Jets are going to really rely on their front four on defense, their offensive line and run game on offense, and keep, keep him, you know, reined in a little, little bit. And, you know, maybe by the middle of the end of the season, you start to see them, you know, take the, take the, uh, the training wheels off a little bit and let him air that down the field. I think I may have had to stop the interview if you told me James Morgan was starting over him. So I'm glad that you uh, <laughs> you agree with me on that one. I think that's about the most obvious uh, prognostication you can make uh, as far as the 2021 Jets go. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Jets had a second first-round pick. They traded up from 23 to 14, sending a couple third-round picks along with pick 23 to Minnesota so that they could draft Elijah Vera Tucker, presumably to slide in at left guard next to Makai Becton. What did you think of this move? What did you think of the trade-up? What do you think of the player? Well, I really liked it, and I'm kind of shocked by the 
debate over this for whatever reason online. Some calling it the worst move trade of the draft or some saying the Jets significantly overpaid and it's impossible for them to come out on top of it. I don't agree with any of that. And I think, you know, people could have these trade charts and have these values and talk about accumulating picks. And I agree with all of that. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you, you got to bring context to those arguments. Like at the end of the day, there was not another guard in the strap like Vera Tucker. He was the top rated off interior offensive lineman for me. The only interior offensive lineman for me to get a first round grade. And, you know, I ranked 250 players. I would say I watched well over 300. And I think when you look at what he does, he's incredibly, incredibly sturdy in pass protection. He's got light feet. He's athletic to do all the things you need him to do on the move in the run game. You are now building a foundation on the left side of your offensive line, the blind side of your quarterback with Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker that you feel good about for the next eight years, potentially a Pro Bowl duo. It's a player I compare to David DeCastro. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Jets have had a lot of interior offensive line problems over the years, and it's it's been a huge issue for any quarterback, but especially a young quarterback having the pass rush immediately in his face and not being able to generate any kind of run game on the inside. So I think when you look at it with Vera Tucker, sure, they gave up a hefty price. There's no denying that. But they feel like they got a player that stands above the rest at his position in the draft class at a serious need for the team that has a chain link effect, a positive net effect on not just the offensive line, not the run game, but the reaction effect that has on a developing a young quarterback. And for all the people that say, well, the Vikings that made the trade, which is great for them. They did a nice job that got Christian Derisaw. Christian Derisaw was a left tackle strictly in college and a really good one. They just did not need a left tackle. And they didn't even, weren't even in the dire situation where they needed a tackle that they were going to switch positions on the right side. Everybody acts like that's a magic, easy transition. It's not. You talk to offensive linemen, it's not easy to do right away. They're not even in a situation where that was dire need. George Fant was adequate on the right side last year. The guards were quite miserable. So I like the move a lot. I'll stand on the table and continue to defend the move. Sometimes both sides win, John. And the Vikings come out and get a lot of selections and did a nice job. And they are arguably the best trading draft trading team in the NFL under Spielman. You can look at the history, and they're, they're right there with anyone. But for the Jets, you've accumulated all these extra picks. You don't need to go in with these monster-sized classes every single year. And they still have had big draft classes the last two years, 10 and 9, and 11 next year. But you, you go out and accumulate that extra capital to pivot, to pivot and maneuver the board to make, your, you know, make serious plays to upgrade the talent at significant spots, and that's what they did. See, I'll take this one step further. I can, on some level, understand why people were upset with the trade-up. but like. The, the argument that makes no sense to me are people complaining about trading up for a guard because I've heard the argument a couple times, interior offensive line doesn't have the same value. And my question is, have you watched this Jets team the last <laughs> couple of years? Been, this offense has been killed by its interior offensive line play. That's a, I mean, if you could upgrade that spot to a guy who's a potential pro bowler, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, I agree. And that's you're exactly right. It feels like the people that are coming out and taking such a strong stance against the trade you know, I, if people just want to say, listen, I don't watch the Jets. They've won two games last year. Okay, that's, I get that. They're, they've not been a joy to watch. But then you can't dissect what's wrong or right with their roster and what is, is an adequate or inadequate move. So I agree. I, when I sat there and said, you know, 
this shows Joe Douglas understands the board because they, anybody that gives you a probability that Vera Tucker could make it 20 to 23 is wrong. Okay. And I know they say anything can happen in the draft. He was never making it outside of the top 20 picks. I know that for a fact. I, I so, take that. I, I take right? that bet in a second. Anybody wants to make that bet with me, you're on. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's never going to happen because he was one of one in this draft class at his position. And you know, a really, really underlying factor of all of this that nobody wants to talk about, and I, I get it. It's not the fun thing. If, if something ever happens to Makai Becton, and he had to take some time off the field last year, had the really big athletes in the NFL get banged up. It just it happens. Vera Tucker could play left tackle in a pinch, and I know that's like a super, super, you know, under the radar thing that you don't want that to happen. It, it kind of is still also a nice bonus that your potentially future Pro Bowl left guard can also kick out to left tackle in emergency situations and still play at a high level. So I, I can't say enough good things about the move or the player, and I, I'm a big fan. Connor, we've spoken many times. I'm not sure I've ever heard you speak so passionately about about a move, so I know you're a fan. Um, let me tell you a move I, I really liked. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. And that's Elijah Moore at pick number 34. And one of the reasons I really loved it is if you had if you looked at this Jets team heading to the draft, wide receiver was not a glaring need. I mean, they they were in decent shape. But I love the idea that you keep adding playmakers. You never say, we're okay, we have enough playmakers for our young quarterback. And I think he adds an extra element to this offense. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I think so, too. Actually, you know, when I wrote up all these picks and grade by grade for each one, and I know people laugh at post-draft grades, but it's, you know, if you do the evaluations, you, you can make the grades of what, of what each player was compared to your board and the fit with the team. I thought this was the, the best pick overall. And, you know, Zach Wilson could be the change the franchise needs, and that would be the one nobody – this is the one everybody will remember this class for. You know, Vera Tucker, I love the player, uh, top 15 player. They, they got him at 14. It, Elijah Moore should have went in the first round, and it's just such an exciting talent to watch. And he really – for how much better the Jets receiver group looked after free agency, they were still missing – this kind of player in their entire skill group, a, you know, four, three, six speed explosive. I can create with the ball in my hands because I have such good acceleration and agility to get upfield and make guys miss underneath on screens, jet sweeps, two things that'll be a big factor of a big element of the Jets offense. But I also threaten over the top. Now I know Mims is tested as a really good athlete, and for his size and speed, his size and speed is great. Mims is not going to be that consistent, just win over the top every time kind of guy. He's a more rounded kind of player. They needed a true burner threat. Crowder is a good slot option. Crowder is not going to be your go route kind of guy. He's going to be your chains mover. And Corey Davis, another guy said he got, he's, you know, what you want Mims to be. He's that middle of the field, big body target, red zone guy. Elijah Moore is your burner that can create his own yards, that's dangerous after the catch. Totally different element to this offense. Um, you know, they, I know Joe Douglas loves trading picks and getting great value. They got calls at 34. They've got probably good offers at 34. Elijah Moore was a first-round kind of player that they just could not pass on in that situation. Absolutely. And then – the rest of day two went by. Uh, you know, Connor, I compared it to 2011. I actually covered the 2011 draft. And in that draft, the Jets had traded their second round pick for Antonio Cromartie. And 
they had been in the AFC championship game the year before in 2010. So it was like you sat the entire night waiting for their pick. I think their pick was like the fourth to last that night. This was like the inverse of that, where they they had the second pick of the night, and then that was it. But we got to day three, and heading into day two, like literally the only thing I wanted to just not to do was take a running back. And part of that was just because of the – part of it was the value of the running backs. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the players who were available. Uh, part of it was just all the other needs that they had. But part of it was also I felt like the odds were pretty good. They were going to get a pretty good back if they waited to the fourth round. And I think they did very well at pick 107 by getting Michael Carter out of North Carolina. I think they did too. And I think they're even surprised by this one, to be honest with you. I didn't think – they didn't think he would be there. I know Joe Douglas, you know, came out and said that – they would have taken him at 66. I think that would have been a little early for me. And obviously you agree, John, saying that you were like, I hey, don't take a day two running back. I had him as the 90th player in this class. I thought 86 was the the spot that they had him. You know, they did a lot of work on him before the draft. And it seems like this was a pick that was destined to happen. And then when they made the trade up, it's like, well, I don't think he'll be there anymore for them. And he did make it to 107. So I like the value. It's a position that has become valueless in a sense. It's a position that you don't want to draft early. He's a player that checks a lot of boxes for them. Obviously, the value getting him outside the top 100, not having to pivot for him. Obviously, he's a scheme fit. He's run a lot of outside zone at UNC. He has great burst and really good lateral agility, not a straight line home run threat. He's got soft hands. He can get in the way in pass protection. He's not going to be this all-world stuff linebackers kind of guy, but the effort to do it is there, where there's enough that he's not a liability on third downs, on passing downs, that you can get him on the field. He's just, will he get run over? Sure. But does he try and do enough where you can coach him up to do more? He's a hard-nosed player? Absolutely. So their committee backfield. I don't think Tevin Coleman has much left in the tank. We'll see if I'm proven wrong. He's been really banged up for a long time. You know, they have interesting players like Ty Johnson on the roster. I think LaMichael Pirine ultimately will be the odd man out. But Michael Carter is in line for as much touches as anybody in this backfield. And if you can get that in the top of the fourth round, that's, that's really well done, honestly. Really well done by Joe Douglas. Now, let me tell you the terrible joke I've been saying day after day on the podcast is the Michael Carter was pick was so good that they immediately came out with a sequel. Sent it in twice. Yeah, Michael Carter the second. And, you know, it was one of a number of picks the Jets made in rounds five and round six. They made uh, three picks round five, three picks round six. And of the six picks, the first five were for guys who played defensive back in college. I know some of these guys may be moving to a linebacker role in the NFL, but which of these guys would you consider your favorite pick of the round five, round six guys that Jets selected? It would be Nazrul Dean from Florida State. I think that if he didn't get hurt, he was going on day two. Uh, I thought he was the best strong safety in the draft. He's going to play linebacker for the Jets. Him and Sherwood are drafted to compete for that Keanu Neal role. They tried to sign Neal to play weak side linebacker. He went to Dallas. He's probably not loving that decision now, considering Dallas took 900 linebackers. And the Jets still had a void here, right? You, you have Jared Davis. You have C.J. Mosley. Then you don't have a lot. And you don't know what Mosley is at this point of his career. I'm optimistic he's such a gamer. He'll come back and be okay. But they needed to get way more athletic in the middle of the field. And Nazarul Dean 
the former strong safety. He's played in the slot. He's played free safety, strong safety, in the box. Really done it all. He is he fits the bill. Now, he tore his ACL at the end of 2019. He was tremendous in 2018, 2019. You know, he has the ACL tear, only comes back for two games in 2020. Medical info was not very transparent this year because of the pandemic. There was a lot of question marks. So you're hoping, you're taking that swing in round six that he can come back to form. But if he does, he could be a starter for the New York Jets. If you get a starter for your defense in round six, you know, and on top of that, him and Sherwood have a ton of special teams experience where they'll both contribute there right away. I thought he was the best value. I thought he was the best strong safety in the draft. I had him as a top 80, 80 you know, top 90 player in this draft. And I think that barring the injury, I think he really has a chance to be a significant contributor within two years. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are always reliably low. rockauto.com's a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Now let's finish by talking about what still may be to come. Jets still do have some needs. There are a few free agents out there. What's the next move you'd like to see Joe Douglas make before the start of training camp? I'd really like to see them go get a corner, whether that's bringing back Brian Poole for the slot, whether that's getting a Steven Nelson or a Richard Sherman. I know Sherman's waiting on an offer from a contender that just might not exist for him. I think that they took their swings at corner. Ironically, as much as you'd like to see them reunite with Poole, I'm okay with letting Gidry and Michael Carter the second duel it out for the slot because Salah's done a nice job developing slot corners that maybe you let those guys duel it out. I I would love to see an outside guy like Nelson or Sherman instead, but if they brought back Poole, then great. I don't have huge expectations for the outside corners they drafted in Eccles and Pinnock. I know everybody else probably disagrees. Their swings, they've had their highs and lows in college. Uh, Pinnock did not start till his final year. He's been very prone to giving up the big play. That's not a guy you're going to put on the field as a rookie. He's a scheme-specific corner that they feel they can develop down the line. So I just don't think those guys are going to start right away. And their day three picks should never be expected to start right away. So bless Austin. We'll see. I'm not really high on, on his future. We'll see, though. I like Bryce Hall a lot. I really do. I think Bryce Hall in a cover three, cover four scheme is going to be fine. I actually think he'll be a starter for the Jets. It could be a long-term solution, but they, they still have a hole after that. They still need another outside corner. So they have money. They can move money around quite easily, whether that's a cap casualty, a guard. I'm not jumping to cut Crowder. I don't really understand the argument for that unless you need the money for a huge move. I just keep as much talent as you can at the skill spots. But for me, it's, it's got to be a cornerback for this group. Connor, thanks as always. Fantastic job today. Thanks for having me, John. Always good to talk to you, man. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
If you enjoyed this show, give it a five-star review, and please subscribe to it. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow we will have our weekly mailbag show.